I had lived with the construct of I'm adopted, therefore I'm unwanted. And she said, why don't you have the construct you're adopted? You were chosen. Hello, welcome to Heart Inspired, a show dedicated to highlighting individuals in their pursuit of authentic leadership, peeling back the layers to uncover the roadblocks they face, explore some of the actions they take, and what keeps them on track to continue their journey to be the best version of themselves. It is my hope that you will be inspired by their stories and gain some insights to help you in your own journey. I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. In this series, we are going to uncover some important areas that impact our lives, both professionally and personally. At some time or another, we may be impacted by imposter syndrome. So how do we recover? Who can help us? How do we support others who may be impacted? Let's explore. Lisa Lentner is a collaborative, creative leader with over 30 years of retail management experience. She also studies organizational culture and is currently a PhD candidate at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. A lifelong learner, Lisa believes that the process of learning and development is endless and encourages the learning and development of others. She believes it is important to give others the space to be their best selves at work. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for being a, a guest on this podcast, my first time out, and I'm excited to have you here. Um, when I decided to do this podcast, I was not sure of the who, what, why, how, or anything like that. But when I started thinking about who I wanted to invite, what would be the conversation, what it would look like, we recently connected. So that was great. And I thought you would be a perfect person to have and bring your insight and your, your thoughts on how imposter syndrome, lifelines, mentorship, and all of that, and the work that you're doing today. Are you ready to get started? I am. I really appreciate you um, asking me, and I, I love talking about this stuff. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited. Thank okay, you. Okay, great. So before we g- begin, can you just tell us a little bit about you know your career, where you are in your leadership role, and how you got to where you are today? So I've been in retail for uh, 30 years. Um, really kind of worked my way up through the ranks in really all the big name retailers, big box retailers. So, you know, Ann Taylor to William Sonoma to Restoration Hardware for frontline, what I call frontline retail. So, you know, in front of the customer. Um, now I'm in sort of uh, behind the scenes retail. So it's still considered retail, but more of a factory setting, but still, I'm still a leader, still leading a team of people. I think where some of the shift has happened is that there was a time, there was a moment where I was a man, you know, you can be a manager and not lead a team to be developed into leaders themselves. Right. I now do that again, which I love. So I'm super excited about that. And in doing that, wanted to get better at being a leader, which is what led me to go back to school and uh, get my, I went very late. So I've been in school for the last like 12 years. So undergrad in 2017, master's in 2019, and now a PhD candidate, hopefully knock on wood, um, within the next couple of years. So, Well, congratulations. That's quite an accomplishment. And I'm excited to get started and ask you some of the questions and see, get your insight on some of these topics. Let's start with the first one, imposter syndrome. When did you first recognize it for yourself? You know, so I read these questions and I was like, my goodness. So imposter syndrome, I think I've lived with that for most of my, my life because when I started working, I was actually academically dismissed from school the first time in the 80s. And so when I left school and, and had to get a job, I felt like less than. Mm. And so every time I grew in the job, but didn't have sort of the background of knowledge, I still felt 
less than. And it's funny, even getting into school, I mean, I, I remember when I got accepted both into the master's and the PhD, my first thought was, well, they, I mean, they take anybody. So it's, I'm, it's like not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's with me all the time. How do you recover from it now that you know that you recognize that it's with you all the time? What do you do to recover? You know, it's funny. Sometimes I actually have sort of that conversation in my head. As I go through classwork, especially in the PhD world, where you really have to give things a lot more thought. And there's there, there's there's a lot more self-reflection. We do discussion posts for school. And even today we were talking about um, confidence levels. So being able to surround yourself with a group of people who you can talk to um, is something I do a lot. I have a lot of cohorts in school. I think I'm involved with like three and some of the, the people overlap, but at least we can all have conversations when we're doubting ourselves and do the same thing at work. I've got some friends at work who for going through sort of a self-doubt situation, we can, we can talk to each other. So, you know, it's funny, I'm not necessarily a real social person, but I do rely on people to help me move out of that space. It sucks the energy out of you when you're in that low and then you have to think about all the wins that you've had and all the accomplishments. And you go, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> pump the yeah. brakes on me not being good enough, right? <laughs> yeah. When you don't have like a partner in your life or like my dad would do that for me, you know, he'd yeah. sort of give you that nice talk. Um, it, 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 it then becomes almost more important that you do remember those things yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've led teams before. And do you feel that in your experience, women or men suffer it one more than the other, or we're about the same? Actually, so I I do have a very strong opinion on this one. And I I don't know that I have data to back this up, but I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. My impression is that men don't suffer from it because and I did hear this. So when a man, when a, when a woman applies for a job, let's say there's five things that you need to be able to do. If yeah. a woman, if she sees like two, she can't, she won't apply for the job. Whereas a man sees those two and they're like, yeah, they'll never ask me to do that. And they'll just yeah. apply for the job. And so, yeah, I think that men um, are far more comfortable with being okay that they don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do some career coaching and I will tell you that there are women who you know, they'll apply for a job, they'll see that it says data analyst. Mm -hmm. I would say, but didn't you do reporting in your past job? And they go, yeah. I go, well, that's data analytics. (laughs) Analytics. Sometimes we doubt ourselves just because of the words. It's amazing. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Have you ever been given a lifeline for a time when you really needed it? And if so, what was it for, if you don't mind sharing in the, in the workplace or Actually, so it's happened a few times. I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but actually your mom was one of them. Your mom and my dad, when when I um, went through my second divorce, my, my ex-husband left and he when he left, he left. He took everything. He took the car. He took my money. Um, he left me with a house in foreclosure. I had three children under the age of and then a teenager that was suffering. And, but, but I also not talked to my dad for like three years. He still was able to help me out of that, but I was still mentally in a place where I still like, I just couldn't get out of this negative space, this negative self-talk. 
you know, how could I have done this? How could I get even feeling guilty that I'd even turned to my dad, which is where your mother came in. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I just used her in a um, discussion post at school where we were talking about reshaping your construct. I had lived with the construct of um, I'm adopted, therefore I'm unwanted. And she said, why don't you have the construct? You're adopted. You were chosen. And that wow, how powerful. Everything. Everything was life-changing that day. <laughs> so yeah, truly believe in the lifeline. Can you remember a time that you've given a lifeline to someone? Um, well, one of my my best friends, Mark, who who, who is a mentor, he's a really, I really call him a coach. He's been in some bad spots for sure. And, and so it's funny because I had always looked to him as that person and, and he um, was able to turn to me, but we have an incredibly trusting relationship. I think if, if people know me, they, they do know me to be completely transparent and very open and willing. So I don't, um, or I don't come across as a judger. So I, I, I think that when the situation presents itself, I mean, I've had people who, I mean, I have a friend who I watched her dog. Suddenly she went through abusive relationship, divorce, and I was the one she talked to. We don't, we don't talk like that. Like we just don't talk like that, but I was, wow. the one she like turned to and for like guidance and help. And I was like, great. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny how that shows up. Sometimes you don't even think about it. I think about during the pandemic, how many lifelines people were throwing out to others and how many lifelines people were taking that they wouldn't have taken before. Because sometimes I think it's like a sense of pride, right? You know, yeah. you, oh, I don't need help. I could do it yeah. for myself. And really, we can all use a lifeline every now and then. I think so. I think it's important to to be comfortable enough to ask for help. I think yeah. that's one of the one of the it's huge. So mentorship, you mentioned um, your friend as a mentor. How did that come about? So he actually was the one that hired me into Baker Furniture and we connected right away, but he, he was my boss. And so he presented himself to be probably one of the best people I've ever met. He, similar to, to your, your mom, he has this ability to make you feel like you're the only person that you're, that he's, that you're talking to. He, he gives very clear feedback when um, good or bad. He shapes it in a way that helps you digest it easily. And he will, you know, repeat things back. You know, if you say something, he'll, he'll always start with what I hear is yeah. do this whole thing. And so I used to call him every day, pretty much on the way home from work. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and anytime I have an issue at, at work, he's the first one that I, that I call. When I saw your question, we literally have just been asked to choose mentors at the job. I didn't like that because I thought it was more of an organic relationship, like how I found Mark. I, I have since rethought that and went and actually found a leader in my building, a senior leader who's higher than me. And I asked them to be my mentor. I don't know what that's going to look like. I do know what I want from him. I mean, but it took me a minute to really think because my my only thing was like, well, I need to check the box of have I chosen a mentor? <laughs> we go, we go do that. But then yeah. I was like, you know what? There's a reason why I chose him. I know why I chose him. Like I, I'm not, you know, stupid. I just need to put that to words. And yeah, he was great. He was opening, welcoming. So so that's that's interesting. And sometimes having a mentor, they don't even know, or you don't even know. And, yeah. and then it's like, do you officially define it as you are my mentor? You know, as a mentor, do you have an obligation? Do you sense of responsibility to this person? Or is it really just, you know, okay, I'm there for when you need me? 
I think that's a really good point. So it's funny. So that's why I didn't like when they said, well, choose one. And I'm like, well, why, why would I do that? When I was in the learning department, all of my trainers thought of me as their mentor because I was developing them to be managers like that was, and I loved it. I was closer to some than others, but for the most part, I actually had an amazing team. And that was very organic. Like it yeah. just happened. And I don't know that I would have used the term mentor until one of them said, you, you know, you've been my mentor. And I was like, great. Now I had a manager ask me if I could be their mentor. And that freaked me out. I was like, what, like, what, what does that mean? Like, what are we doing? What do you want? <laughs> I what wasn't even in their department. Me? Like it was weird. So yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, his, name is Mark you said yeah. is and then you just told me you you chose a leader in your company who is senior leader and also a male yeah. any thought as to why you wouldn't choose a woman <laughs> so that is a really good question so it, it was funny Mark is gay and I always thought that it didn't matter but it, I just sort of thought that feminine side I I liked it. I felt very comfortable talking to him. I haven't really talked to my new mentor yet other than asking him to be a mentor. So so that might be interesting. I thought of my boss as my mentor. She was a woman. I, I just was, my boss just changed. She got promoted. Okay. I loved her. I loved having her as someone to talk to. We became quite close and I miss her. And so, you know, I could still probably have her as one yeah. you know, outside the building. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't until you wrote it in the questions and I was like, well, that's interesting. There are, um, there's actually quite a few women in my company um, that I would love to have as mentors, but I, you know, it's funny because they had said it at first, they said it needed to be someone outside the building. They wanted, when they first wanted us to choose, they wanted us to choose like someone in the company, in the company, you know, how big we are. I was like, okay, I think I chose someone in Seattle, never talked to her. And that was a woman. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's something to think about because I don't, I do feel very um, strongly about women supporting women and not making sure that we sort of pull each other up, you know, support each other. And I, I'm a very big believer that there's room for everybody. When you have this first conversation with this mentor, do you think that you would share some of the same conversations as you would have with Mark? Or is there a comfort level? There's definitely a comfort level, but I'll, I'll tell you, the reason why I chose this gentleman was because when I was in the learning department, we have a position that's called an ambassador. And it's basically just a regular associate who teaches new hires, whatever they need to learn. And I had one that was giving me a problem. I had to remove her vest and I needed the senior leader to be with me. We could, you yep. can't do it alone. Yeah. And yep. she was not going to give it up easily. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. It was bad. I mean, she yep. was awful. And he was amazing in how he spoke to her, reined her in, calmed her down, de-escalated. And I was like, I need to learn how to do that because I'm not great with conflict. That was, it was beautiful. And so when I need help for that, that's why I wanted him as a mentor. So when I need help for those things, which are usually what I talk to Mark about, I'd probably talk to Robert, his name's Robert as well. I mean, that's really what I'm looking for. Coincidentally, both of my uh, business mentors are men. You know, one of them had, I met through networking and he just had, he just sang some praises and I kept going back to the well for information as I started out. And Mm -hmm. I finally had to tell him on a conversation. I said, I don't know that you know this now, but I am officially calling you my mentor. And he was so honored. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know I chose him. He didn't choose me. That's amazing. Yeah, it is great. 
So in your organization, what level of leadership are you? Are you considered executive or middle or? I, I'm, I'm middle. I'm definitely okay. middle. We okay. have, we have levels L4s to L. Really, it goes up to nine, but although I don't know any. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a five. Yeah. And so is the mentorship program in your organization offered to those who are non-managers and below? Yeah, they're actually, so it's fascinating. We we have a sort of an internal website. Actually, it was um, when I first started in learning, one of my trainers was like, do you know there's a mentor program? And I was like, wow, well, you can be one. You can, so you, you you like post, it's like LinkedIn. You can put your picture, website, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'll mentor you or whatever. Yeah. So um, any level can do it, which I, which I think is really wonderful. And, I think that's admirable. Yeah. In speaking to others, you see a lot of mentors or coaches offered for leadership and above. Yeah. And usually frontline middle managers are the ones who could really use it because they're not exposed to that on a regular basis, you know? So that's really great that your organization offers that. Being an ally, what does that mean for you? So it's funny when I first saw that word, I was like, well, what does that mean? But then I thought of my first thought went to, I have a tool that I use for uh, building trust between leaders and or anybody really who's struggling. And, and it's basically a series of questions, which are sort of steps. And the last two questions are, um, how can I support you? And how can I be an advocate for you? And my first thought with Ally was that advocate. So it's yeah. having, you know, that person that is helping you, but really to the outside, not mm-hmm. just not to you, but to anyone who sort of comes into contact with you. So, right. And that I think is really, you know, you don't see that very often or, or I mean, until I got this tool, I got it when I worked at restoration hardware, I've never really heard it. Like you, you just don't hear, or at least I don't hear people talk about that a lot. So when we're in a meeting, like if I was the learning manager in a meeting with my boss and I knew that one of my trainers needed to be, you know, pumped up, then I would make sure that, you know, that conversation happened being an ally for that trainer. There's lots of conversation about the difference between men and women supporting one another. And in a conference room, you know, there's known statistics that men tend to talk more or people may talk over others, whether it's male or female. Mm -hmm. And so having an ally in that room where someone's sharing an idea or a concern and somebody's talking over them, that ally would kind of step in and say, let's hear what they have to say and give them that space, you know? So that's a really good point. And boy, you do not hear that very often, but when you do, that is so impactful. It's so impactful that there's someone looking out for for that. So when we're shifting the paradigm on any of the above, what would you say is your biggest takeaway? for the work that you do, or even in your personal life? Well, I will, say, I will say just having this conversation about the mentorship is having me look at that a little bit differently. I mean, yeah, you know, it, putting together mentorship with imposter syndrome, you know, I, I do not put myself out there. I really struggle with accepting the fact that I really, I know information and I could help somebody purposely yeah. versus like residual, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is probably something that I need to really look at. Um, for sure. (laughs) Always something to learn. Always something to learn, right? About ourselves. I mean, imposter syndrome. Wow. I asked somebody, do you suffer from imposter syndrome? 
And the answer was, well, if I didn't, I would be like a narcissist. I mean, you know, to think that I'm always perfect and always oh. wonderful and everything else. And I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. Do you agree <laughs> with that? Do you think that that's right? No, I don't. I don't think so. But I think that there are people who are more optimistic about their uh-huh. own capabilities as opposed to I'm not good enough, you know, having that can't do it, you know, am I valued or whatever. Right. I think that there are people who are just more confident about their capabilities. Do you think everybody at some point has that imposter syndrome? Like at some point in their life or their people? Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely think so. I think, I mean, I have it on a, I don't know how many times it happens in a, in a given day, you know, you go, you know, <laughs> or when, you know, failure, you know, when you, you set out to do something and it doesn't happen the way you want, and then you kind of beat up on yourself a little bit yeah. and you yeah. have to just keep, you know, what, what's the, to me, it's, what's the story I'm telling myself. Okay. Yep. And what's the lesson learned from that failure? Yes. What can I do differently? Yes. To make sure I it like doesn't that. happen again. I love that. Yeah. And you mentioned the story about Sonia my mom, when she said, say it again, because it was so powerful. You said you were adopted in. I had the story. I'm adopted. Therefore I'm unloved. And she said, why don't you have the story of you're adopted? You were chosen by your parents. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's pretty powerful. She shared something with me about being with a difficult employee. So something you said you had, uh, you know, conflict or whatever. I had that same situation. This is when I realized I can go to her for some coaching advice. I said, I can't deal with her. She's impossible with that and the other. And so she just broke it down very simple. She says, is there a contract in place? And I said, well, you know, back in those days, we didn't have contracts. You sign an agreement, you're coming on board. That's it. She goes, the contract is, do you pay her? Does she get a paycheck every week or every two weeks, whatever it was? This is a while ago. And I said, well, yeah. She goes, well, that's the contract. Did she get a job description? I said, yes, she did. And in that job description, did it outline her responsibilities? I said, yes. Did you ask her to do anything outside those responsibilities? I said, no. It was so simple. And then it was like, well, if you haven't stopped paying her, uh-huh. she's disagreeing to do what you've asked to do, what's required of her, then there's a breach of contract. Who is the person who breached the contract? Oh, I went in with that conversation. It was like a game changer. Oh my goodness. I just got chills with that one. (laughs) Yeah. That is so simple. I mean, so simple. Wow. And now we have contracts for, you know, employees, but really it's that simple. Yeah. If we stopped paying you, there would be a problem, but we didn't stop paying you. Right. But you stopped doing the job. Isn't that, that's really very simple. (laughs) That's going to help me because I actually have something. I got to go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime, anytime. Wow, that's, that's really helpful. Well, Lisa, this has been absolutely awesome. I'm so glad that we can have this conversation. This is the first time we've been able to have this kind of I conversation. Know, I, mean, I know, I know, like, I but I love talking to you. This, this has been wonderful. You're has been wonderful. Well, good luck on your writing and your mentorship. You'll, we'll have to touch base again so we can see yes. how that yeah, I'll let you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Tune in for part three. If you enjoy our show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening to Heart Inspired. Until next time, I'm your host, Michelle Delgado. And don't forget to lean in, be heard, and be inspired. This podcast was created by Heart Metrics Consulting, editing and co-produced by David Castle Productions and co-distributed by Business Travel 360. 
For more information about Heartmetrics Consulting, visit us at heartmetrics.com. 